Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. I'm sorry I will be away for a few days since my dad, Gondar Serufus Rasnais, passed away last night. It was a surprise for me because he was getting better and he personally told me not to go and visit him in the hospital. And now he's gone. He's been on the show before. I wanted to make some sort of a short episode where I would speak about things he's said here. But if you look at all the theater stories which I've made, if you look at a lot of army stories, in general stories from people's histories, a lot of them come from him or his friends. So he's preserved in the show. However, one thing that he couldn't tell me and that I still must go on is that he would never forgive me if, one, I would start crying right now and not do my job. We are like that on the Eastern Moor. And he would not forgive me ever if I would stop doing my duties towards you, their listeners, and inform you about everything because he was really proud of the show. That was the one thing that he actually you know, felt good about. He, uh, weirdly enough, in his letter, he actually had a special thing to say to Dan Carlin. Because, uh, you know, I have made sure that he knows about him and stuff. And that message was sent. It's not for you, it's for Dan, from Dad. However, despite everything, I will be off for a few days. Funerals on Saturday. I'll be there, obviously. However, there are news that must be told. Work must go on, and happiness is mandatory. No matter what. And, uh, truth to be told, I'd better focus on making the news and everything than then go back to the, you know, dark place, because it's been rough. At any rate. Evgeny Prigozhin, leader of Russia's Wagner Group, he said on Wednesday that he believed a promised and of course, as soon as I start speaking, cat comes in. I'm magical. He said on Wednesday that he believed a promised counteroffensive by Ukrainian troops has already begun and that his forces were observing heightened activity along the front. In an audio message published by his press service and social media, Prigozhin said that the active phase of the counteroffensive would begin in the coming days. The Kiev government has long promised it, and obviously everyone knows they're going to make it. Uh, just, you know. They're playing very much mind tricks. But uh, Prigozhin said, quote, I believe the advance of the Ukrainian army has already begun. We are seeing the greatest possible activity both on the perimeter and within front lines. I therefore believe that his, it has all already started, and I believe it will all enter an active phase in the very near future. It could be a matter of days. And, uh, well, carrying on from that, there's a reason why Prigozhin thinks that way. See, the Kremlin's press service reported Wednesday, and I do have to say that this is the most ironic thing ever, because for one, I don't know how you view it, but I view it as a, you know, a goodbye fireworks for my dad. Yeah, that's how I view it. The press service reported Wednesday that two Ukrainian drones tried to carry out an attack on Putin's residence in Kremlin on Tuesday night. And, you know, by try to carry it out, I mean we had explosions and everything. In the statement, the Kremlin said the drones were incapacitated by the timely actions of military and intelligence services using radar systems, and that there were no injuries, and that no buildings were damaged. According to uh, Putin's talking mustache, and uh, 
absolute liar, Dmitry Peskov, the president was not in the Kremlin at the time of the attack, and is working from Novo Ogarivo, his official residence in the outskirts of Moscow on Wednesday. Now, uh, let me tell you one, one thing straight. Wherever Putin is, he's not in Kremlin, and he's not in whatever official residence he's naming, just saying. Blaming the Kyiv regime for the attack, the Russian authorities said they considered the incident a planned terrorist attack and an assassination attempt against the president of the Russian Federation. Mind you, mind you, if you recall the conversation with the defector guy, this then would make it the very first assassination attempt at Putin ever. And I'm here for it. It's amazing. And, uh, well... Apparently, they also noted, the, the Kremlin noted that it, it occurred shortly before the country's victory day, for which Russia is expecting foreign guests. And let me let me ask you here, uh, the, the, there are only a few countries where the foreign guests could come from. Are they really going to take in, like, uh, North Korea? Oh, no, wait, even they kind of abstain at this point. Uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, um, I think maybe Iran, all that stuff. So much of us. I don't know. Uh, they can get guests for like, from like five countries. But they nonetheless added that they reserve the right to quote-unquote take retaliatory measures when and where it considers necessary. Of course, there were videos all over the internet about this. A telegram channel for local residents posted a video late Tuesday night that showed smoke rising near the Kremlin. Residents reported hearing a boom that sounded like a thunderclap. Shortly before the, the Kremlin released its statement on the incident, Moscow Mayor Sergei Sobyanin announced that drones were to be banned in the city beginning on May the 3rd. Mikhail Sharimet, Russia's state Duma deputy from Annex Crimea, has called for Russian military to launch a missile strike on Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's residence in Kiev in response to a alleged attack. Well, that would be a bit of a shame, by the way, about uh, Zelensky's residence, because, you know, Ukrainian presidential palace is, uh, well, was, built and designed by the same guy who uh, built a lot of stuff in Latvia. The guy called Rastrelli, an Italian architect who built a lot of Baroque things and everything. Uh, this is why Latvia, by the way, has a smaller smaller copy of Versailles. It's, it's called Rundal, and, you know... It's just because we, we wanted to be cool like that. It would be a shame if we would get bombed. Like, I wouldn't be happy. Zelensky's spokesman, Serhii Nikiforov, said in the statement that the Ukrainian authorities have no information about any so-called nighttime attacks on the Kremlin. But, as President Zelensky has repeatedly said, Ukraine is devoting all of its efforts and resources to the liberation of its own territories, not to attacking other countries. The use of the term terrorist state by the Russian authorities is also surprising. A terrorist attack is the destruction of, you know, residential buildings or somewhere where terror could be inflicted. Over there, even if they had succeeded, and again, I'm sorry about, about the audio here, but uh, it is what it is. I'm doing this not to go insane and to keep you informed, because, you know, someone has to do that, and uh, work is the best medicine that I have right now. At any rate, well, terrorist attack... How is this a terrorist attack? I think that th th so for something to count as a terrorist attack, it needs to attack civilians and, uh, you know, innocent people. Attacking Putin and his residents would definitely count, me, uh, count in as, you know, attacking the chief in command of the opposing army. He's definitely a military, military person nonetheless. And uh, 
Well, if someone dares to claim that he's been rightly elected, I, I can present you. Uh, I think at this point I have at least three episodes of three different elections where Putin had run, um, and, and with the predictable results on all of them, and, and none of them being fair. So, um, no, no, he isn't. <laughs> but this didn't stop from Dmitry Medvedev, uh, publicly known as total clown and alcoholic, uh, also known as ex-president of Russia. Yes, indeed, he also was a president of Russia at one point, but no one remembers, because, you know, he's total Putin's puppet, and now he has to show his usefulness by being the most fascist and fanatical of them all. Dmitry Medvedev calls for physical elimination of Zelensky. I'll even give him his official title. Mm. Russian Security Council Deputy Chair Dmitry Medvedev took the telegram on Wednesday to call for Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to be physically eliminated in the wake of the perpetrated Ukrainian drone attack on the Kremlin. Quote, After today's terrorist attack, we have no other options, wrote, Zelen wrote him, uh, adding that Zelensky is not necessary for Ukraine's unconditional surrender. Hitler, as we know, did not sign a surrender agreement either. There will always be some replacement, like figurehead President Admiral Donitz, he said. It's funny that he says so, because he's the closest candidate to Admiral Donitz that we actually have, and uh, unconditional surrender? Oh my, I don't even know. Zelensky's he's been pretty useless lately. Uh, and again, this just is a bit weird, especially since now that we know all of it. But... I think I think I think Medvedev is going to like um, try to try to get through this somehow. That would be just weird. But Zelensky is just sorry, Medvedev. Um, why keep calling him Zelensky? Oh yeah, because because I'm a bit tired. I hope you'll forgive me. I was talking about Medvedev all the time. Just that he's such a non-figure that he just does not even register my brain. He just whoever follows the. The agenda for uh, Russia's propaganda, because yes, it's that time of the month again where I tell you what the instructions for propaganda is, so that you would arm yourselves for the time ahead. And you know, if you spot someone spouting these theses or, or nonsense, you now can perfectly know that this has been Russian propaganda, because well, we have we have the things that um, that's been told to them. Again, obtained, by the way, this time by my colleagues at Medusa. They were the first ones this this time to get sent those, these things. Uh, I haven't gotten mine yet, so, you know, I'll, I'll trust Medusa. Normally, normally I'd, I'd get mine before, like, a couple of hours before them, but this time, this time I think my guy's uh, a bit off, so, you know, it is what it is. The new guidelines compiled by the Putin administration for Russians' propaganda media says that, among other things... Mm, it includes how Kremlin's instruction, how Kremlin's newspapers and propaganda should report on Ukraine's anticipated counteroffensive. In the document, the Russian authorities tell reporters, quote, not to downplay expectations for the NATO-supported counteroffensive that Ukraine has announced, and not to assert that Kyiv's unprepared for a counteroffensive. On the contrary, says the guide, pro-Kremlin outlets should emphasize that Western countries are providing Kyiv with weapons and supporting Ukraine in various other ways. Now, some sources also commented on this and, uh, well, told that one, what Mos explained what the Moscow wants from this coverage, and one is that if the offensive is a failure, then the Russian authorities will be able to say that Russia's army adeptly repelled an extremely powerful attack. The value of this victory shall increase significantly then. 
However, if Ukraine, with the help of weapons from the US and Europe, is successful and takes territory, the loss will be explainable too. After all, the West has focused a tremendous amount of effort on the front, but its successes, when compared to those efforts, have been very modest. In other words, overall, Russian army had like basically held its ground, nothing has happened, all this stuff. Because uh, no one likes to speak about damage. Again, Kremlin is, to be honest, less worried about winning the war, more worried about publishing whatever result happens as their own military victory. And huge thanks for that, because, you know, I'm pretty sure other people are worried about winning the war. In the document, the Kremlin advises, advises propagandists not to focus on the amount of money allocated from the Russian budget to rebuild infrastructure in the occupied and annexed Ukrainian territories. It is unclear exactly how much money Russia has spent on these efforts. Through the total is likely more than 1 trillion rubles, which is $12.5 billion. In the first quarter of 2023 alone, the country's deficit uh, amounted to 2.4 trillion rubles, which is $30 billion, by the way. Instead, the guide urges the media to talk about how problems are being solved in Russia, such as by reporting on repairs in schools, kindergartens, and hospitals. According to the document, the Kremlin is confident that these are the kinds of segments that garner public approval. It is clear that there will be economic problems, and it is clear that what will cause them. The expenditures on the special military operation aren't going anywhere. First and foremost, they, uh, they'll cut spending on the very same infrastructure whose repairs they told the media to highlight. They'll be repairing things in the new regions while ignoring needs in the old ones. The reaction among presidents of Russia is totally understandable. Something will be taken from us. Better not to show the specific amounts of money that was taken. Because this, this already happened with, uh, with Crimea. Exactly like that happened. This source's account is consistent with the data from 2017 survey, uh, survey of Russians conducted by the independent Levada Center. At that time, a significant share of respondents, 41%, said that the investments in Crimea from Russia's federal budget were being made, quote, at the expense of spending on education, healthcare, science, wage indexation, and pensions. More than half, 55%, of respondents said that the Russian authorities were wrong to allocate money to Crimea that would otherwise have gone to social programs in Russia's regions. Moreover, a poll from the state-owned Russian Public Opinion Research Center that year found that 84% of the public opposed additional financing for the Crimea. Another topic the guide discourages the pro-Kremlin media from covering is the rehearsals for Russia's May 9th Victory Day parade. Some regions have opted to forego the whole day entirely on security grounds. Although we all just know that they just don't have tanks to send to the parade because they've all been sent to the front. And uh, it might look bad when the regions, especially outside of Moscow, where many people have died, you know, watching a parade is an organized gathering. Organized gatherings are bad. Quote, unquote. Additionally, Moscow and multiple other cities plan not to hold their traditional immortal regiment processions where people used to march with portraits of their ancestors who were somehow involved in Russia's past wars and all that stuff, but lately it has been just, you know, the government sends, you know, Putin sends people off from their governmental jobs to pick up a picture of some guy from World War II, carry it around and everything. That's, by the way, when I say that when Russia's moment changed, when they shifted away from being a you know, a victor of the World War II and everything, and started building their own imperialism. The moment when this, you know, immortal march, immortal regiment stuff, which happened as a private initiative at the beginning, uh, yeah, it's originally, you know, they actually carried their ancestors' pictures, who fought against Hitler and everything, 
and they took them from home and brought them home afterwards. You can clear, see the clear shift. When after this immortal regiment, you could see pictures of all these people just being put in the trash can, in the random street trash can. That's, that's when the situation changed. And apparently, finally, one political scientist who works with the Russian authorities told Medusa that the changes aren't due, to, due solely to safety concerns. Now, um, that, that, that is literally no, no surprise to me, but we're just quoting sources here. He said, quote, In all likelihood, this year's parade will involve less military equipment than in past years, and the equipment that is featured will likely be outdated, because the modern vehicles are li most likely needed at the front. And, uh, yeah, the Kremlin's guide also does indeed recommend the pro-government media not play up the topic of the authorities' victory day preparations. It is what it is. The war's gonna end one way or another, and uh, Russia's gonna lose either way. I know that. One thing that's important, though, is that, um, you know, I'm gonna bring you the news anyways. That's what I do. That makes you actually feel good. Because happiness is mandatory, like I always tell you. At any rate, I have a funeral on Saturday. I, I don't know if I'll make anything until then. After that, the news will continue. Morale is high. Dad, you know, Dad said no crying. Dad said I should drink beer and play heavy metal. And I suppose make news as well. Because, you know, it's a personal tragedy. But I've seen worse, sadly. Time to work. If you would like to support the show, please consider becoming our Patreon on patreon.com slash border, Or go to our homepage, theeasternborder.lv, to listen to any episode ad-free. And if you would like to support the show, click the little donate button there, which also allows you to make a recurring payment so you don't have to go to Patreon or something, if you don't like Patreon for some reason. Or just a one-time donation to help us out. Otherwise, our shirts are ready. I was about to take a look at them. I sadly cried half of a day. I'll probably cry again tomorrow. It is what it is. But I'll get to that. It's just that unforeseen things happened. All in all, I must keep working on. That's also what Dad would have wanted, after all. Happiness is mandatory. До свидания, товарищи.